Hey, welcome to Whitefields Community Church Sermon Extra. Great to have you with us again this week. I'm here with Pastor Nick Katie, who's the pastor of Whitefields Community Church here in Longmont, Colorado. And we are currently in our series called Pilgrim's Progress, and we're looking at uh, Peter's letters to uh, the, the Christians living in the greater Roman Empire uh around what, 64 AD or so, something like that. And uh, we have now come, we're, we're drawing to the close close of, uh, of Peter's first letter, and we've come to, you know, what would be considered one of the more, you know, the passages that talk about things that people don't necessarily like, and that's about trials. And he just starts out, do not be surprised <laughs> at the fiery trials. And, of course, as you brought up on Sunday, uh, you know, this was during the time when Nero was, you know, lighting Christians on fire, and what be probably was the, the you know, the beginning of 200 years of of trials that the Christians would would suffer under, under Nero and all of his successors, and and uh, you got into depth and talked a lot about that, and but one of the one of the things that you weren't able to necessarily expound on a lot, but you know, is in verse 17. And also in verse 18, where it says, For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So what do those mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we didn't really talk much about this, so that's why I'm glad that we have these sermon extras. Okay, so we know that at this time, I think this is one of the, one of the things that a lot of people don't, think about or recognize is that at this time, a lot of people were becoming Christians. I mean, to the point where um, Christianity was, it was what's called an illicit religion. It means it wasn't necessarily illegal. It just wasn't legal, right? So it was just kind of a, it had no legal status. And so a lot of people were becoming Christians, though, especially in the urban centers. And as a result, you know, less people were worshiping pagan gods, which led to a lot of the persecution. But, um, with so many people joining, it was like a popular thing. And, you know, what needed to happen, apparently, was that as this persecution came in, it kind of weeded out the people who weren't necessarily there uh, with their whole heart. And I've seen this with my, my life, you know, that there are people who will jump on the bandwagon. But then when the trials come, a lot of times that purifies the church, it clarifies, you know, for a person, hey, are you really in this for the right reasons? And, um, you know, I, I know that like in some parts of the world, a lot of the ways like the gospel is preached is with a promise of prosperity. So, for example, in Africa and a lot of developing world, the prosperity doctrine has really taken off. And we saw this when I was in Hungary. I remember seeing this with uh, some of the poor population, the Roma population is very popular you know, some people might consider that odd that the prosperity doctrine is most popular amongst those who have the least, but it does make sense because what they're doing is they're, they're promising that, hey, if you give your life to Jesus, then, you know, you'll get all the things that you want. The problem is that the things that they want aren't necessarily Jesus or a relationship with God. It's, you know, prosperity and a way out of poverty, which, of course, we want people to be out of poverty and we, we want to be part of that work as the people of God. However, we don't promise them that, hey, if you just start following Jesus, you know, money's going to fall from the sky. So um, what happens, though, is that a lot of these people, I've seen them get into Christianity for the wrong reasons with this promise of, of prosperity if they do so. And then when that doesn't happen, when they face trials, it really clarifies a lot of things. Uh, it clarifies to them that perhaps they were never 
really trusting in the right things to begin with. So I think that would have been really important at this time. And I think that's what Peter's addressing. You know, judgment's going to begin at the household of God, meaning a couple things. One is that trials are going to come on people. That's going to purify the church, clarify whether or not, um, you know, you're really in the faith for the right reasons. But it's also going to strengthen us. It's going to bring about glory in the end if we persevere, as he says, uh, I think another reason that he says judgment begins at the household of God ties into something that we read in James, that those who teach, uh, it's a good calling, it's an honorable calling, it's a calling that we should desire to, right? to speak the word of God and help other people grow. But understand that you will be judged by God more stringently because you're taking on greater great responsibility. Remember a teacher that I used to listen to, John Corson, he always used this example. He said, imagine if you're traveling across Siberia and, uh, you know, you ask the conductor, hey, how many stops until this city? And they say, well, there are three stops. And so, you know, you go back to sleep, train stops. And on the third stop, you get out of the train. And then um, the problem was that that wasn't the third stop was actually a stop for water or for fuel or something. So you end up, and then the train left. He goes, that person um, took on a great responsibility by telling you that information. And that information could lead to death if, if given wrongly, if it incorrect. And so we, we should consider teaching and things like that and representing God a weighty thing that we shouldn't take lightly. So I think that's what's being referred to here. And finally, that verse that, hey, if... If, um, you know, the, if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? That is a uh, quote. Yeah. So, but the, the point here is that he's saying that, um, hey, we should understand that those of us who are saved, like it's, it's a big deal that we're being saved. We should not take that for granted. We shouldn't take it as a light thing. It isn't just giving a nod to God, right, or praying a prayer. Like this is, there's more to it than that. And we shouldn't just assume that this is a quick and easy thing. Exactly. But, you know, but by the grace of God, there go, there go I, you know, but we also see like, you know, 200 after 200 years later, you know, the church was much, much stronger and the gospel had spread even further, you know, and we even see that today just, you know, in communist China, you know, just the, the church is growing under the pressure yeah. of, of these fiery trials that they're under and places you know, like Iran. Is the church is growing? They say maybe the fastest growing church right now in the world is the underground church in Iran, mm -hmm. which is persecuted, highly persecuted. Yeah, and we saw that coming out of communist Russia as well. That the church was, you know, whole the the you know the communist manifesto is to to be an atheist nation. There is no god but the state. And coming on the other side of that, we saw that the church came out very very strong in, in yeah. Eastern European countries and so yeah I've you know like Rosemary my wife she was really into Voice of the Martyrs we subscribe and they, we get their magazine and stuff and one of the things that we were talking about actually on Saturday night before the sermon was how um, you know a lot of us in the West we ask these questions like how can God allow like these tragedies with ISIS a few years ago where they were going in and, and killing Christians in the Middle East and um, you know we would get these reports then you know that that's how we're, we're over here in comfort in the West, being like, I don't know if I can believe in a God who lets people suffer. But what's interesting, Peter says, hey, it is to your glory to suffer for the name of Jesus. And he uses the word to share in Jesus' sufferings. And that he says that is a great thing that to be, hold your head up high if you, if you suffer for the name of Jesus. And what some of these people were saying is that, you know, they would tell their children, when ISIS comes to the door, 
we're going, we're not going to deny our faith. We are going to hold our heads up high to our last breath because it is an honor to die for the name of the one who died for us. And so I think that um, oftentimes a lot of these hypothetical things about like, oh, I can't believe that God would allow this to happen. That comes from a place of comfort, you Mm -hmm. know, and really, um, you know, you can look at so many things. And I was just reading about a guy who went through incredible pain as a soldier in um, in the Middle East, a U.S. soldier. I, I can't remember if it was Afghanistan or Iraq, but he was burned and, and he said he spent a lot of his 20s suffering incredibly. Um, he's a Christian and they asked him, well, you know, what would you do different? And he said nothing, you know, because God did such an incredible work in my life through that 10 years of pain that I, I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't want to do it again, but I, what, what happened in me was so valuable through that time. Mm-hmm. Joni Erickson Tata, you know, yeah. she was 18 years old, dives off a dock, hits her head, becomes handicapped. And she, they asked her, you know, if you could go back, would you choose to not be handicapped? She said, no. Yeah. Uh, in a way, as awful and as hard to believe as it might sound, she said, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Yeah, and, and I think that, that was one of the things we actually got some feedback from Sunday service is uh, that somebody took away um, was that that you bring up the fact that there is purpose. Mm. There's purpose to the suffering. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we just have to make that mental note, you know, when there's purpose, God has a purpose, and I have to keep that keep that in mind and not be surprised, you know, not be surprised like, oh, why is this happening to me? And uh, that, but see that God has something on the other side, and we just need to keep our eyes eyes on Him. So definitely a lot of yeah, difficult. I think difficult subject for people. And as you talked about, when it becomes personal, it becomes a lot harder. But a lot of lessons to be learned from this, and it's kind of Peter's whole thing. Hey, you know, it's kind of been a central theme of Peter's writing to the church. And so join us again next week. I uh, hope uh, if you missed this week's sermon, whitefieldschurch.com, and uh, you can go there and download it. And uh, all of our other sermons, are, of course, are up there. And uh, of course, subscribe, like, definitely like, and, uh, you know, give us a thumbs up, you know, on, on all the different media, Spotify, Apple Play, and Google Play. And uh, yeah, the more you like and subscribe, the more this gets out and this uh, is more widely disseminated. But we're great to have you with us with this week, and uh, may God bless you. Mm-hmm.